All right. So Ann Chapman shared that video with me today. And it spoke to her. And I watched it, and it spoke to me too. But I just want to throw out there, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> I'm a pessimist. And it's difficult to escape, to be honest. I really think it's in my DNA. Anyone agree with that? Like, you've got stuff in your, what? My wife says it's definitely in my DNA. So regardless of how hard I try to change that, and if I watch that on the right day, it speaks to me. And if I watch it on the wrong day, I'm like, nah, it's a bunch of BS. But like, you know what I mean? Like, mm, animals, jumping, whatever. I've got bills, blah. All kinds of things pop into my head. The glass. It's half empty, it's half full. For me, it's half empty most of the time. That's what I see, that's how I approach life. Like, it's half empty, it's not half full. And regardless of how many times you want to tell me it's half full, or you want to persuade me, or you want to change my mind about it, I see half empty, right? And not all of us see the same way. That's like the world. Most of the time you're walking around thinking, yes, 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 everybody's operating under the same lens, and it's just not true. Probably the people sitting next to you don't have the same lens. So my pessimism, it's there, it's real, it's a part of my DNA. What I've learned is, though, when I'm buried by my pessimism, when I'm busy with it, I desperately need another lens to kind of see through. I desperately would love to have another perspective, but I'm so buried with my own that I can't find a way out. And what I've learned over the years is this helps me. Other people, a group, a space in which I hear questions offered that like I didn't even know I should ask, right? When I hear about a perspective that I didn't really know existed because I'm buried by my own, and suddenly it offers me an invitation to see the world differently. I can see through someone else's lens. I'm offered a different perspective than it's half empty. Maybe I can see it as three quarters something, or half, half, half full would be great. But years ago, I read this book. Um, and in the book, it asked me to imagine and consider whether or not the story I was living was a good story. And I invited other people to read this book, and they didn't like it. But I kept reading it, and I liked it a lot. And I've given the book away to several people since. In fact, like I used to give it to students who were graduating high school and read this book, read this book. And several of them, it's resonated deeply within them. Am I living a good story? And that word good can be translated lots of different ways, but for me, it meant lots of things. So when I heard, like, am I living a good story? It was like this question of like, am I satisfied with the relationships in my life? You know? There are things about myself that I would like to change, and have I attempted to change those things? Am I changing? And what I ended with at the end of the day, like not am I living a good story, because I, I felt like, yeah, sure, I'm living a good, good story. I ended with the question, could it be better? Not like financially, or could I play more, or all of those things, but like, could I 
be more confident? Because I really lack confidence, and that affects my life in lots of different ways. Could I be more confident? Could I be more connected to the family members that I say I love so much? Right? Could I actually try and have more patience? There were all these areas of my life that I felt like could help me live a better, more meaningful story. And at the end of the day, when I read that book, I was like, can I live a better story? Can I learn, maybe, to live on a daily basis and start to see that glass differently? Or when I wake up and I look and I know that I'm seeing it half empty, can I respond in ways to my life that helps me get that other perspective? Can I get that other lens? Can I surround myself with people? Can I go to a group? Can I be a part of a community? What can I do? Maybe that's how I can live a better story. And so I started thinking, you know what? It'd be awesome if I could author a better story, if I could literally choose to be more intentional about this. And so then that's when my quest started. And I feel like I've been on this quest for a long time. It's the quest of asking questions. It's the quest of meeting with others. It's the quest of reading lots and lots of books. It's the quest of trying to put language to what I feel like we all sense in lots of different ways and digging deeper, this whole idea of adventuring inward and saying, okay, can we author a better story? Can we choose intentionally to live a better story? Can we make that happen? Now, this was years ago, and you may have heard this story, but I have to share it. Because Ann and I, you know, we headed up Summit County Youth for a long time in this community, and we encouraged students over and over again to kind of do these things, what we were kind of ourselves trying to do. We were inviting them in. We're like walking side by side doing this kind of, can we live a better story? And I always said, you have to ask questions. You have to ask questions. Sometimes you don't know the right questions to ask. Sometimes you get to hear them from other people, but ask questions. We took these students to this camp in Minnesota. They were completely out of their context and their environment, right? For the majority of these students, they had never been to a camp quite like this. It was a conservative Baptist Christian camp in Minnesota, right? And they're surrounded by people who acted differently and say things differently and approach life differently. And we're sitting in this huge room of like 300 students. And there's a person up front. So if you go there, you know, I mean, it's set up for a stage, right? So there's an elevated stage and there's a person behind something and they're speaking to all these students. And it's just this massive group. And one person has a microphone, they're up front. And you come in, you sit for a long time, you listen, you leave. That's what happens. And Ann and I are in the back and you almost can't see because all the students sit up there. And we're one of the only two like adult leaders that come from another state with their students because we're like, oh, we gotta be with them, we gotta be with them. And so we're in the back and this person's talking and then out of nowhere this person just stops talking and says, um, yeah, uh, you with, with the hand up, do you have a question? And so then someone says something and he goes, oh, okay, so this person wants to know if I'm saying this. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this, and then he went on to say exactly what he said he wasn't saying, but it was weird. <laughs> but at the end, 
Ann and I, all the students are walking out, and we're like, we have to grab our students and talk with them. We have to grab our students and talk with them. And really, because we wanted to know one thing. We wanted to know if it was one of our students that asked the question, right? And so we pull them all aside, like 20, some of them, and we get them all in this little side group, and we're like, okay, here's the deal. Someone asked a question during that whole time there. Was it one of you? And they all instantaneously turn their heads and point to this girl named Marky. And, and they all thought Marky was like busted, right? And that's what they did. They were like, hmm. Students are great at that. So are adults. We know, and do property management for a little while. But like, <laughs> point the finger, right? Point the finger. And so we're like, Marky, that was amazing. In all the years, that Anne went to that camp, and all the years that we've taken students to that camp, no one, no one has ever had the guts to raise their hand and interrupt <laughs> and ask a question. Asking questions, amazing. And sometimes you don't know the right questions to ask, but asking the questions, pulling your life under the microscope, having space, time to be able to think and reflect and ask questions of yourself, your life, your story. Ask questions to other people. Taking the guts to make that happen. Like MTL nights, these nights, what I hope these nights aren't is a giant nodding session, right? Not sleeping, I mean this, right? So everything that comes out of Phil's mouth, people are like, mm-hmm, <laughs> yep, mm, yeah. Like I'm hopefully saying some things at some points that like really rub you the wrong way and you don't necessarily agree with, but you don't have to. It's not what this night is about. This night is about some space and some time for you to think, reflect, dream, ask, and consider how you might live a better story. What are the small steps? What are the actions? What can you do? A week ago, we had some high school students over to our house on a Sunday night. And we posed them some questions, and we talked about some things, and we sat in this room, and we chatted. And it was supposed to be for an hour, and then an hour and a half rolls up, and then an hour and 45 minutes rolls up. And right near the end, and, and his, I'm just going to say it, uh, Matt Resignalo. Matt Resignalo asks a question. Yep. <laughs> Mother, right there. <coughs> Matt Resignalo says out loud, Phil, could, could you talk to us sometime about what it means to live with honesty? <laughs> what? And so then, and that sent us down a rabbit trail for like another 15 minutes. But like he said, like, talk to us about what it means to live with honesty. You know, to like speak truth and to represent yourself authentically and to be who you are and to just offer that to people and to also, you know, hopefully get that back from other people. And I was like, wow. Yeah, a high school student asked me that question. And so that's going to be coming up on a More to Life night for sure. But the space that we created that evening, the questions that we talked about, the stories that we engaged in, and then his mind was set free during that time. And that's what he reflected on. And that's what he pulled out. And that's what came about. I think these nights serve as a good 
starting point for that kind of innovation, for that kind of reflection, for that kind of process to take place in your lives and in my life. So my encouragement to you guys is to use More to Life Nights as a beginning, as a beginning. It's a spark. It's a catalyst. It's a conversation starter. And then you go. And that's the word we want to focus on tonight. Then you go. You go outside of here. You go to your school. You go to your family. You go to your friends. You go to your significant others. You go to your work. And when you go, then you ask the questions again. Then you talk about the same things again. Then you listen to other people share their stories and their experiences, and you experiment. And I love that word experiment, especially in our community, because it brings up all kinds of different things for people. But we're going to take the word and we're going to hijack it to mean this. When you experiment, what you're doing is inviting change toward a better story. Right? It's positive experimentation with your life, because your life is really just one big grand experiment. None of us have it dialed in. And if you say you do, you're lying. Like, you don't. We're all just trying things. We're seeing what works and what clicks and what kind of advances us and enhances our life in various ways, what has a negative impact, what fails, what you need to try again. But I want to throw one more video up here for you, okay? Because Anne saw this video, and she sent it to me immediately on the day of when she saw it. She said, this reminds me of a talk you did back in year zero for More to Life. And I want to share the video with you guys just for a minute, because I feel like it's a really good video that outlines a kind of experiment that could take place. You guys see that?
So, interesting video. I always like the idea of like plotting goodness. I like the idea of experimentation. I like the idea of disrupting the status quo. We settle into routines of our lives, and every now and then we need a good shakeup. We need a good shakeup to say, like, hang on, can I live a better story? Can I? take some kind of action, some small step towards something that brings a little bit more meaning, a little bit more depth, a little bit more connection to my life and those around me. I threw it out on the blog on MTL that essentially the idea of almost March madness and mayhem. It's the idea of like experiment during the month of March. I know in a lot of religious circles, there's this whole season of Lent, if you've ever heard of it. And there's this idea of like trying to subtract some things from your life in order to kind of be more attuned to what's beneath the surface, to what's really going on. And so I threw out on the blog, I was like, let's just experiment with the month of March and let's see what we can do. And I threw out the idea of communicating better with your body. And I don't mean like this. I mean, like the idea that your body talks to you and the idea that you talk to your body, right? And so a few of the things that I threw out right at the beginning were, I don't know what you guys do when you get sick, but I do the opposite of what I'm supposed to do. Anybody else? Right. So you get sick and what do you do? You take some medicine so I can go to work. That's what I do. My body's telling me to not go to work and I say, shut up. <laughs> drink some caffeine, and I go to work, and I make it happen, right? Um, I posted a story about going snowboarding with Tate, and Tate wanted to go to the little terrain park, and um, I tried it, and that was dumb. Like, and, you know, so I fell a few hundred times, but, like, it was, I fell, and I tweaked my knee. I tweaked my knee, and instead of, like, bandaging it, or taking care of it, or staying off of it, I continued to run that whole week. It's like, I can do this. Just taking Advil, making it happen, completely not listening to my body, what my body's telling me to do. A couple of other things I posted about simply with the whole body talk kind of idea, the body talk, what's your body telling you, what's going on there. Um, I said, I'm going to do some experiments during the month of March. And I was inviting you guys to kind of join those experiments. I'm going to share some with you. So in case you want to try this, try it. See, see what it does. Your body's a pretty important part of your story, in case you haven't figured that out yet, right? It's pretty central to your story happening here in the physical world. So one of the things I tried to do, and I'm trying to do, is that I'm trying to live almost caffeine-free. Almost, right? Because I read somewhere that actually having a good caffeine addiction, it, it, it's a good thing for your body. It's all right. 
So I'm trying to limit myself to one caffeinated drink a day, right? One caffeinated drink a day. And I'm also trying to vary the time when I drink it. Because if you haven't noticed this yet, how many of you wake up and drink something caffeinated? I just want a show of hands, come on. Okay, that's what I thought. Studies have shown that if you continually go to it first, like, you know, maybe the first week it does something for you, you know, and you get an extra little boost. Past that week, it's just bringing you up to normal, <laughs> right? Right, so like the first week it was like, yes, I've got a little pep, got a little kick, and then week two it's like, uh, drink the caffeine, now I'm kind of normal, drink a second, now I've got some pep. Now I've got some pet, right? And then you establish that rhythm and then you go for the third drink and that's when you get the pet, pet, pet. It keeps like being delayed. But supposedly if you vary the time that you drink it, it's always pet, 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 right? It's, it's like always pep if you vary when you take it in. So it's like, mm, I'll drink it at first thing in the morning or I'll try and hold off till afternoon. And then most of us in the room don't want it past like a certain time, like two or three. <laughs> so vary your time up until the afternoon. Trying to live almost caffeine free. Trying to tell my body, you don't really need this stuff all the time. And trying to listen to my body too, that like, ah, you shouldn't need something to be brought up to normal, right? Like, and I don't know about you guys. I mean, man, when I was growing up, and in high school and college, I drank anywhere from eight to 12 sodas a day, like Coca-Colas. There's nothing. I mean, caffeine just didn't even do anything. And since we've been married, have you known me to drink a can of Coca-Cola right before I go to bed? Oh yeah. It just doesn't, it didn't do anything for me, right? And when you hit that point, <laughs> what's up, right? So, just trying to tell my body, hey, you don't need this stuff. Or paying attention to the fact that like, when you're like this, that could be something, you know? <laughs> like, maybe that's something. Like, back off. Take a few less caffeinated drinks. Back off of that. That's my first experiment that I'm doing the whole month of March. It's pretty interesting. I had two caffeinated drinks today. <laughs> yep, failed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yesterday won. Yeah. So it's not easy. It's never easy. None of these things about talking about living a better story, none of it's easy. Um, second experiment that I'm trying to do is a morning stretch. Now, I'm not talking yoga, because I can't do yoga. Plenty of you can. I can't do it. I just don't bend right. Um, but I read a study, and that's why I pulled in this experiment, that like one of the best things you could do to start your day according to the scientist I read somewhere, was literally have a full body morning stretch, preferably in bed, right? So it's almost the first thing you do. Your feet don't even hit the ground, and you're in bed, and you do one of those, and you do it for like a while, you know? I mean, I've been doing it for... I was going to say, how long is that stretch? I know. <laughs> and we'll come back in a half hour later, are you getting up? Like, but no. I'm trying to make it like a five to 10 minute routine to literally tell your body the first thing you don't have to do is go, right? And you can wake up slowly and you can ease into your day and you can tell your body to relax and kind of <laughs> break into the day. The second thing with 
the morning stretch is natural light. Don't reach for a light switch. Don't reach for a screen. And instead, go for the blinds on the windows and allow natural light to wake your body up. A morning stretch with natural light, five to 10 minutes at the beginning of the day. It's an amazing thing to tell your body, right? And it's telling your body that you can like be restful in the morning, you can wake up slowly and you can hit it. Now I did talk to a father who said, hey, does it count? Like, could my morning stretch be my, like, five-year-old jumping on my chest, like, telling me to wake up? Because, right, not all of our lives are, you can't necessarily plan for it. But experimentation. And that doesn't mean you say, oh, for the whole month of March, I'm going to do this every single day. It could mean I do this, like, five times, and I see how it impacts my day, how it affects my day. The third experiment I'm doing is called power down. This came from last week talking with the high school students. I had them give me a show of hands of how many of them turn off their phone ever. And I know that I don't. So I was expecting that they wouldn't, and none of us did. No one in the room ever turns off their phone. I think that communicates something to your body and your mind that you don't realize it's communicating. I really do. I really do. And in all the stats I'm reading right now about depression and the books that I'm reading, like, I think it really communicates something to us that we don't even know we're communicating to ourselves. This idea of being always on. So the power down experiment is simply this. Turn your phone off at night. That's it. Turn it off. And if you can't get that bold, don't charge it next to your bed. Don't keep it within arm's reach. Put it somewhere else that you would have to physically get up out of your bed and grab the phone. Try that. See what happens. See if it tells your body anything. See if it communicates something to you. I did it last night for the first time in March. It was the first time I did it. I don't feel any different, but... <laughs> It's only been a day. It's only been an evening. It's only been a night. Just see if it communicates something. See. That's what we're talking about. Experimentation. The fourth one is this, and I just posted about it today. Pajamas. And I'm not talking Bill Cosby pajamas. Like, that did not go over as well as I thought it would. Ah. We were watching Bill Cosby, The Cosby Show, despite all of his bad publicity and press, blah, blah, blah. We were watching it with my boys, and every time, like in their household on that television show, when it's nighttime, he walks out in those full body silk pajamas, you know what I'm saying? Like, and my boys are always like, Dad should wear those. <laughs> I'm like, no, those are crazy. But I'm talking about pajamas, and here's what I mean by this is. Um, I was reading this book, Present Over Perfect, which some of us in here are reading, and when you get near to the end of the book, she cited another book called Thrive, and this woman was talking about kind of an epidemic of people not wearing pajamas and tricking your body into thinking it's going to the gym because you wear workout clothes to bed, right? Or you might be the kind of person that literally stays up and just falls asleep in your clothes because I do that 
too often, right? I go home and this is how I wake up tomorrow morning because I was working and then I get tired and then whoosh, I'm out. But literally having pajamas and changing into them and communicating to your body, it's time to slow down. It's time to rest. It's time to get sleep. Interesting. Interesting. This is my fourth experiment. Tonight, pajamas. Everybody, everybody, pajamas. Now, coming up soon in the month of March, the madness, the experimentation, we're going to talk about the margins of the day. This will be like out on the blog. Um, we'll talk a little bit about meditation. Talk a little bit about gratitude. Believe it or not, we're going to talk about singing because it involves your body. I don't know about you guys, but like this is one of my favorite times at my house, and I've noticed that it changes my mood, so I just wanted to share it with you. And then I also listened just recently to a podcast that talked all about voice and what your voice does for you and chemically in the brain what singing does for you. But anyway, we just had some... Uh, my in-laws were in town, and there was this one night... Ann's mom cooked a great meal, and the, the kitchen was a wreck and whatever. And then her dad and I decided that we would clean the kitchen. And everybody else went upstairs, and they did something up there. I don't know what they were doing. But I know what was going on down in the kitchen. And so I pulled out a Bluetooth speaker, and I ramped it up a little bit on the volume, and I started playing my Pandora mix, right? And I just got it going, and I am just singing at the top of my lungs. I'm going crazy, yes? And it was a good time. Ann's dad was in the kitchen. He kind of dug the music a little bit. He wasn't really singing. But I was singing, and after that, I've done it just a few times in the past month, and I've noticed a considerable difference in my attitude afterwards. It lifts me somehow. <laughs> really does. And suddenly, like, I was planning on working later that night. And then I said, no, nope. <laughs> not working. Not going to work tonight. I've decided not to. It's a pretty great feeling, honestly. So we're going to talk a little bit about singing as the month goes on. And then we're also going to talk about body language in general, like over the month of March. You'll see it in the blogs. But body language, literally, like your body. You know, they tell you before you go in for an interview, if you want to pump yourself up a little bit, what are you supposed to do? Power stance. You're supposed to stand like a superhero. <laughs> because there's something about posing like this that literally builds your confidence and makes you feel like you're a BA, you know? Like, like you can go do it and conquer it. Body language, all the different things, the postures that like communicate things, smiling. I'm going to have you do something tonight with your body before you leave. Um, it's not going to get too weird, but I just wanted to plant that seed to make some of you, I would love to watch your eyes and your body language, be like, oh no, better duck out of here early. Um, to conclude, back to this, I want to stress that like these experimentations, showing up to more to life, trying to embrace anything that would say like, I want to live a better story. How could I take a... How could I take a step towards living a better story that none of that's easy? Honestly, like, I, I am 100% a pessimist. I, I wish I could communicate to you 
how often for me this glass is half empty. I wish I could convince you. And maybe you're sitting here and you know that feeling and you totally get that. Positive change, stepping towards living a better story, it's a difficult process. Always has been, probably always will be. But it's like what I want. I want to live a better story. And I want you to live a better story too. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever it might be, whatever comes to mind when you think of that, whatever that is. And when all I can see is that glass half empty, this space helps. This space helps. It encourages me, it inspires me, it reminds me, it lets me have another lens. Meeting with people for lunch, going out to breakfast and hearing their story and talking with them gives me an opportunity to sit back, reflect, and think. There's so much of our life is spent going and busy. When do you get a chance to sit and listen and think and reflect, right? For most of us, like, I mean, you have to have something that initiates that for you. I want more to life to be that catalyst for you. I want it to be the space that kind of initiates that change, gives you some questions, lets you think about some things. So when you go home, you've got some stuff to think about. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with someone and it could have really stopped at surface level because we were at the rec center, <laughs> right? And when you're at the rec center, you're like coming there for a reason or you're leaving to head somewhere pretty quick. And it could have really, it could have been really surface, but lo and behold, we're those annoying people in the rec center. 45 minutes later, we're still standing there and we're still talking. And before it was over, we were talking about what in our life right now is like breathing life into us. What's like sparking joy in our lives? And we're having that share and that exchange right there in the rec center. I hope that More to Life can help you initiate those type of conversations. If they're at work, if they're at school, if they're at the dinner table. That you have some kind of experience here and then you can ask a question later that pushes and nudges this idea even more. It allows you to dig deeper. I've heard from several of you that you were like, yes, we changed it from six to seven. So now we go out to dinner afterwards and we try and get a couple people and then we have conversation about what was just talked about. So you talk about the talk. That's awesome. I've had families say, ooh, yeah, we take that one night during the week and then we ask questions around the dinner table about it. Hopefully we're gonna be able to put more and more questions out there for you guys and more and more topics that allow you to have those conversations. I hope MTL helps you ask questions. I hope MTL can help you see a better path. I hope that MTL can offer you ideas for experimentation toward a better story. And so that's kind of my quest to stir the pot. Just to like stir something, help you smell it, help you get curious, help you be like, ooh, wait a second, what, what, what? And then go, go outside of here, share the conversation, initiate experimentation in your life and see if it doesn't lead towards you living a better story. And so until next time, may tonight be your beginning.
a starting place for some kind of change toward living a better story. Go this week to your school, your home, your work, your friends, your family, and may you ask questions. May you listen, may you talk, may you share, may you take risks, and may you experiment. Specifically, I hope you'll listen rather than ignore your body. Listen to rather than ignore your body and what it's telling you. And I hope that you can try to respond to it in a way that says, I hear you. I am listening. I pray that this space, these people, this time, any words spoken here can help you see and experience more in your life until we meet again next time. Amen. So I thank you guys for showing up tonight. I hope you got something weird out of that. If you need a schedule for the rest of the weeks that we meet, it's back there on the table. If you'd like to sign up and get my annoying text reminders on the day of to tell you, hey, it's going on because our busy lives, just so you know, if I text the day before, people forget. If I text the day of, people remember. It's crazy. That's what the world we live in. If you want to get those reminders or any emails, boom, sign up here. And then just leave it at the back table. And then last thing is this. Um, before you leave tonight, I want you to hug two people. I want you to do it. Um, there's science behind that too. There's science behind a lot of stuff is what we find, right? Our entire lives are filled with it. You can't escape it. But hugging someone, it does something for you, it does something for them. So I was just going to ask you before you leave tonight, this is a little experimentation here, just give two people a hug. Two people a hug before you leave tonight. We will see you in almost two weeks back here at More to Life. Grab a little bit more dessert, talk, don't forget to hug. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. <laughs>